everybody, and welcome to a brand new, since it's November, thankful episode of That's Odd. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Townsend, and with me, as always, is one of my uh, bestest uh, palsies, my friend, uh, my buddy, my compadre, my, uh, man, I should have looked up more similes for a friend, Chris Chavez. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, everybody? I feel like every time I say your name, we need to have those horns and stuff going off. Chris Chavez. Vroom, 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 vroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do the production. Put that in the post there. I'll just throw it right in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, someone's driving and listening to this on their phone. Yeah. It's jumping at the sound of horns. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep them awake. They're going to listen awesome. to us. They're going to be awake. All I, right. I like how you got right into the thankful episode. Our thankful yeah. episode. Well, here in the States, I know we have listeners all across the globe, but here in the States, this is the month of being thankful for things. Yes, Thanksgiving is just two weeks away. Two yeah, it's weeks, right around the corner. Week. Wow. Yeah, it's it's literally, it's coming down the rails awfully fast there, Chris. <laughs> and I, I realized this when uh, I was talking to my mom recently, and she goes, are you going to go to your uh, your grandmother's uh, like next Saturday? And I was like... Why? <laughs> Why would I visit her? Gosh. I know it sounded really rude. I love my grandma, but you know what I mean. And uh, she goes, for, for Thanksgiving. I was like, oh my gosh, that's literally coming that quick. I didn't even realize it. Isn't it crazy, man? Like Halloween snuck up on me. I wasn't ready. Like we literally bought bags of candy a couple days before. Um, I had no decorations out. I had one tiny pumpkin. So Thanksgiving's like next week. My wife started doing the shopping for it, but like. I'm not really that ready for it. My brother's coming down to vi- coming up to visit. Um, yeah, and you're right. It's kind of just sneaking up on us. And I think the next thing we know, we're going to turn around and like it's Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, do you guys do like a big turkey dinner and all that for it? Um, well, w- I don't eat meat. We're vegetarian. My wife and I. So, oh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, we don't eat turkey, so but we do eat like all different sides. Like that's the way that's what we have for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we'll have stuffing and mashed potatoes and rolls, and you know, we have vegetarian meatballs that we put in a sauce and cranberry sauce, and so we we have all, everything except the turkey, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, the turkey is my favorite thing, so I would have been sad, but I would have oh. understood and not <laughs> oh, said anything. It was. Uh, it, it was my favorite <laughs> as well when I when I did eat meat. I I, I love right. the turkey. It was. It was uh, especially when you had the crispy skin. Oh yeah. Juicy meat. Yeah. Oh god. Uh, I, I'm gonna go back to eating meat. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell your wife I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my fault. All of a sudden, that's odd. Chris eats meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you uh, think you know a guy, he eats a piece of turkey. <laughs> well, I think uh, we've got a couple of really good stories this week for That's Odd, Chris. Oh, yeah. I've got one that um, I felt a little bad about because I feel like I'm kind of treading on Retro Bliss territory. I'm sure What's Retro Bliss? Retro Bliss, it's a very cool uh, retro video gaming podcast that you can find on our network, BICBP-radio.com, uh, hosted by two very funny guys. Uh, they basically delve into the world of retro video games. They choose a game every week, review it, get into it, tell you all about it, uh, play some well, crazy just, games. It's a good time. I gotta tell you, that just sounds that sounds just awful. It's amazing, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I feel a little guilty because I feel like this is something that would serve well on the show, and I'm sure at some point it'll come up. But my story does have to do with something that Retro Bliss would be very proud of. We'll just steal it if, if we like it, so don't worry about <laughs> just it. Just take the entire clip, just you know, just, yeah. just me yeah. telling the story and insert it. 
Yeah, that show is just about old video games, so nothing's that original. So we have <laughs> zero issues with stealing things. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to get into it. I've got a good story, and I hear uh, yours is uh, is is pretty salty as well. Oh, oh, it is definitely salty on the seven seas on my end here, where we're <laughs> going to get into a little bit of uh, our mateys looking for some booty. Love it, love and that it. could be taken so many different ways. But uh, before we get into it, you want me to uh, you want me to tell you a little bit of what I'm I'm talking about tonight? I think so. I do. I've got a little tale to tell you. I've got some information to throw you away first, and then I found I found this story, uh, and I'd never heard of it, so I looked into it, and there was actually an urban legend tied to it. And if you listen to History Creeps, you know we tackle urban legends. And one of my biggest things when we talk about ur- urban legends is how it always fascinates me the way stories basically grow and 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 continue to evolve after it's based on a true story you know what i mean right yes the the original tale is usually nowhere near its originality when it gets to the end of the phone line yeah this one um this story the original story here is is kind of a a, a creepy weird story uh and then the story that builds off of it that becomes urban legend uh, in comparison, is 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 slightly is kind of cheap. You're just kind of like, oh, really? You just basically copied it exactly. Um, but let me get into it. So, uh, Retro Blist, we talk about we talked about the fact that it's a retro video game podcast. And um, since I know you're very familiar with the hosts, uh, the, the co-hosts on that show, I I, I I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that you are a lover of video games. That's a very good assumption. Wouldn't it be weird if I hated him? <laughs> I hate him. He I can't me. stand him. <laughs> um, well, the reason I bring it up is because it's. I mean, it's 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 hard to find people who aren't into video games anymore these days. Video games have become so ingrained in our pop culture and in, in just in our lives that you find it everywhere. Uh, even like older people on their smartphones play things like Candy Crush. Um, did, did they still play that Touch Simpsons game? Remember that one? Yeah, they, I don't know if they do or not, but like I know what you mean. I mean, I have on my phone, I got two or three games that I literally pay, play at least once a day. Really? What are Just, they? I'm interested. Uh, what, all right, I have to look. Hold on. Let me get on my phone. Because <laughs> I, I haven't, can't remember the exact name. I haven't played them. a game on my phone in a while. Like I remember when Angry Birds came out. I got into that for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I got into the Candy Crush thing for a little bit, and I got into like Bejeweled and things like that. But I don't think I've played a game on my phone now in a few years, to be honest with you. Well, one of them's called, and you know I'm also a wrestling nerd, one of them's called uh, WWE Champions, and that's a really fun, uh, like, match three puzzle game. Oh, nice. But but it's obviously pro wrestling kind of related there. Yeah. Uh, and the other one that I play is, it's called My NBA 2K18. It's like a, it's related to the video game series, but this one's like a, like you get different, it's like a card playing game. You draft cards and that kind of thing. Oh, interesting. And also just, and I actually really like this one, but I just started playing it. There's a new South Park uh a game for your phone, and it's really cool and very funny, by the way. Uh, is that is that a game that you actually navigate, like a <clears throat> navigate through anything, or is it cards, or how's he, how do you play that one? It's it's also card. It's like a card combat game, I guess would be the best way to put it. Okay, okay, yeah, but it's really fun, and it's got that. If you like South Park, you'll probably like it. It's got that humor with it. Nice, yeah, I definitely want to check out the new game that just came out for them. But um, I'm gonna go take you back to the early days of game. I don't know if you know this, but early games, uh used interactive electronic devices with various display formats. So basically, the earliest examples that we know is from 1947. Um, and this is, quote, it says it's it, it's called a cathode ray tube amusement device. 
It was filed for patent on January 25th, 1947, and the patent was issued on December 14th of 48. Inspired by radar display technology, it consisted of an analog device that allowed a user to control a vector-drawn dot on the screen to simulate a missile being fired at targets, which were drawings fixed to the screen. So that's super primitive. 1940s, right? Yes. We're going to fast forward uh, to a game you may have heard of and a company you may have heard of. In 1972, Atari hits the market and everything changes with the introduction of Pong. I know you've played Pong. For sure. 100%. I feel like even younger kids nowadays play Pong because some of these newer consoles come out with retro games that you can play old school games as well. Uh, But also, I've noticed video games now have video games inside them that you can play. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, during loading screens or something every yeah. once in a while. Well, not even just like loading screen. Do you remember playing, uh, um, what is it, San Andreas, and you can go and sit in sit in the guy's house and then play his video game on the on his TV? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. like, I'm seeing that thing. But so I know I think, I think one of them is Pong. Pong's included in one of these games, these newer games nowadays. Um, but the success of Pong did not result in the displacement of traditional arcade uh, amusements like pinball, but they did lay the foundation for successful video game arcade industry. Roughly 70,000 video games, mostly ball and paddle variants, were sold by 1973. So let's forward to 1978. By 1978, video games are well-established in the U.S. and uh, coin-operated amusement industry. Many of the best-selling games of the 80s uh, such as Galaxian, Defender, Missile Combat, Galaga, they all focused on shooting mechanics and achieving high scores. Um, also, starting with Pac-Man in 1980, um, a new wave of games appeared that focused on identifiable characters and alternate mechanics, such as navigating a maze or traversing a series of platforms. Um, of the older school video games, what do you, which one's one of your favorites? Uh, Galaga's up there. I used to love to play it. Yeah. Uh, that was at like, a, we used to go to, when I was young, my family would go to uh, like a diner and it'd always have a couple of the old yep. you know, games set up like that and that would be one of them and I'd play it all the time. I was terrible at it, but I love to play it. I know. Now, aside from like Chuck E. Cheese or some of the older, like the uh, the adult video game places like Dave and Buster's, are arcades still a big thing, man? You know what I mean? Like arcades? They're kind of coming back, but it's sort of like the retro wave type of deal. Yeah, because so it, like they're only in special areas. I know there's not really any that I'm aware of near me. I need to go to Asheville or to like Mortal Beach to find one. Right, because I don't think kids under like younger kids nowadays don't understand what that was like for us. Like we actually had these places where all of these cabinets were lined up. The place is usually dimmer than normal lighting because all the lighting from the arcade they want that flashing. You know what I mean? There would be a yes. machine where you would go and feed your dollars and get your quarters out of. Um, there would be a, a little booth over to the side with all these like really generic prizes that you would get from like a carny. Uh, and <laughs> yes. but the yeah. idea was is this is where you went to hang out um, and pump those quarters that you got because you wanted to play your favorite game. Not only play your favorite game, you wanted to see your initials on the high score of that favorite game because it was public. It wasn't like you were sitting at home playing a video game, getting a high score and saving it and waiting for your friend to come over. This it was, was a big deal. This was a yeah. machine that was in public that you put your initials there and then you walk away. Somebody else is going to see it and they're going to know you are number one. And I will say, if anybody's watched season two of Stranger Things, yes. the arcade is involved 
somehow. Well, I'll tell you what. I just uh, I told you I finished the last one, and I watched the first episode. And the first episode, there's a scene where the kids interact and are, are basically comparing how they got quarters and how many quarters do they have because they need to get down to the arcade and play the game. You know what I mean? It's like yes, that's what you exactly. wanted to do when you were a kid. Um, yep. And I remember having, you know, just pockets full of quarters and you just line them up on the little, you know, thing next to you and you just keep playing and playing. And you'd get to points where, like, if you were playing a big game and you were reaching that high score, people would notice it. Kids were walking by or watching you intensely, like being getting into the game. And as they see you hit that high score, they're grabbing their friend. They're like, check this out. He's going to hit high score. It wasn't un, you know, uncommon to see crowds of people around certain arcade games because the kid playing them was about to you know, beat high score, set high score. Right. Was there, Were there any of those arcade games that you were good at, Chris? Because I remember – the one that I, the one game that I was always good at was NBA Jam like oh, back in the nice, day. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I would get a crowd around me every once in a while, but I always hated that because you get nervous when people are watching you yeah, play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I liked the older school. Like I liked Pac Man. Like that was always Mrs. Pac Man. Actually, was always my favorite, Miss Pac Man. Um, so I and that one just I, God. Every time I wanted to get higher and higher to the farther, farther mazes. Um, and then Cubert. I remember like I loved Cubert. You remember that game? Oh, yeah, where you're hopping on the different levels and stuff. The little pyramid and jumping on yeah. those, you know, discs that are flying you around and the little coily snake coming down after you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I loved Mrs. Pac-Man, too. That's the game that me and my dad would both play, so I have really good memories of it. Oh, for sure. Uh, so in 1980, enter the video game Berserk. Berserk is a multi-directional shooter video arcade game released by Stern Electronics of Chicago. Uh, it is an example of a maze game in which the player has to navigate around a maze-like building while shooting enemies. Now, my description of it is already like 20 times better than what it actually looks like. Uh, <laughs> when I say player, I mean like this little stick figure guy, and he's yes. green, right? Um, yes. <laughs> shooting enemies, enemies are the exact same shape and look of the stick figure, however, they are red. Yes, uh, yeah. and that the, sounds about right. That's an Atari game right there. The maze-like <laughs> building are just colored lines that, not even a maze, you're talking maybe three or four lines to represent maybe a wall, a little alcove, a hallway. And the idea is, is you're moving around, shooting these things while they shoot lasers at you. Um, and as you move on, you know, higher levels, they move faster. There's more bad guys. The movement changes. Like there's all these different things you have to take into account. And it is one of these games where you want to set the high score. So now I'm going to tell you a story about Peter Bukowski. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to actually read something that was from uh, an article online and uh, written by Kat Despira. So I didn't actually write this part out because it's very, um, very flourished with literature-like writing. Like, you'll see what I mean. So okay. <clears throat> on Saturday, April 3rd, 1982... 18-year-old Peter Bukowski of South Holland, Illinois, woke to a severely cold morning blanketed in a thick layer of snow. The iron-gray sky churned with a weather system that prompted forecasters to issue a public announcement warning of an imminent blizzard. The winter of 1981 had been a hard year for Illinois residents who had battled 11 lake-effect blizzards since January. Peter Bukowski a seemingly healthy young man, and no doubt one who had interests in common, uh, in common with others his age, must have felt a bit bored by the seemingly endless sieges of winter. Like all teens at the height of the video craze, 
Video games were definitely something that was on his mind continuously as much as girls. <laughs> According to census records, the Bukowski home was located on Price Avenue in a tree-lined respectable neighborhood of single-level homes, a mere two miles from Friar Tuck's game room, once located at 674 River Oaks Drive, Calumet City, Illinois. Judging by the events recorded by witnesses, this places him arriving at the arcade roughly around 8 p.m. From what reports remain, it appears he walked first to his girlfriend's house, then back home, then to another friend's house, then to the arcade, an estimated total distance of four miles. Berserk had been on his mind from the moment he first saw the game. As Tom Blankley, community leader and former owner of Friar Tuck's Game Room, remembers, quote, Bukowski was one that game was on that game every chance he could get, sometimes with a friend, but a lot of times alone. He loved it. He was a real nice kid, quiet and kind of shy. No problems. For anyone who remembers the old Friar Tuck game room, it was a place of memorable good times. Themed like a medieval inn with wrought iron lamps hanging from the ceiling and candlelight bulbs, stained glass windows and huge wooden doors as the entrance, it appeared as if Robin Hood and his merry men might be found enjoying a game of joust inside. Remember that game, Joust? Oh, yeah, I do. Was sure. it, wasn't it uh, uh, an ostrich that you were sitting on? Jousting? It was something weird. I feel like it was an ostrich. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, it was not, as some have reported over the years, one of those arcades where bad kids assembled smoking dope and causing trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, appeared, it operated as a family-style gaming parlor, offering complimentary coffee and donuts to parents accompanying children, as well as fundraised many great community causes. What happened on that snowy Saturday night in 1982 is sketchy at best, contaminated by decades of added hearsay, newspaper reporting errors, and convenient rewriting of the facts that gave rise to an urban legend that persists to this day. But some facts are clear. Prior to Bukowski arriving at Friar Tuck's game room, he had complained to his friend uh, Burton Everett that he was feeling short of breath and thirsty. Stopping at a convenience store, Bukowski purchased a soda, drank it down quickly, and the two continued on to the arcade. Upon arriving at the arcade, it became obvious to others in attendance that Bukowski was not well. Everett alleges Bukowski was laboring for breath but wanted to stay and play Berserk anyway. Thinking he was just too hot from their long walk in the cold and snow, Bukowski removed his coat and began to play Berserk. In less than 15 to 20 minutes, he had played two games, both high scores, and put his initials in twice. On the last game, though, after putting in his initials, he stepped away from the game, took a few steps, and collapsed. An arcade attendant rushed to his side and, noticing Bukowski was unresponsive, began CPR while an ambulance was called. Bukowski was rushed to an Indiana hospital where he was pronounced dead on arrival. He would be considered the first video game-related death in history. Now, the thing they they ended up uh, doing an autopsy that, uh, or you know checking him out, and they found that he had had some scarring on his heart. So they said that there was something wrong with his heart anyway, and it could have been anything that would have killed him. However, the intensity of this game, the fact that it got harder and harder, and, and the, you know, like I said, when you're a kid and you're the, at the height of this thing where it meant a lot to see your name at the top of this thing, you could imagine how intense he was feeling as he was getting up there wanting to put his, you know, his, his initials in. Um, 
but yeah, man, this is the first time a video game has ever caused the death uh, of a person in the history of video games. And then it gave rise to an urban legend because then a couple years later, it was said that just a few weeks before Bukowski died, there had been another kid, a kid by the name of Jeff Daly, who had done the same thing, had been playing Berserk for a while, had finally got into a high score. I mean, put his, his, his numbers in, turned around and died, dropped dead. And then when the person walked over, you know, they all came over to help him. One kid noticed on the screen that his high score was 1,660. No, 1,666, something like that. Something with a 666. It was like 16,660. Some weird garbage like that with the 666 okay. in there. But, uh, but yeah, dude, it ends up becoming an urban legend. But... I just thought how crazy it was because you always think about they always talk about video games being dangerous and bad for kids and all the things it does and I never once heard of one that killed somebody so I was surprised when I heard this I was like oh I got to talk about this it's insane it's happened a few times throughout history I mean it's very 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 rare but it's not the video game obviously that's actually killing people it's just <laughs> it's just something like that where the guy already had something wrong with him and he'd already been walking for miles or uh, I know one story was some guy was playing some game for like two or three days straight, but he didn't eat or drink or anything. And he kind of killed over from that. And he was already sick to start with. Oh my God. So, so weird, strange things have happened. And, and I've obviously heard of games calls and uh, like seizures and stuff. And that's why you always see those little yeah. warnings on a game now. But yeah, yeah that's, that's still a, that's a very odd, strange and, and really sad story. It would be creepy, too. I mean, think about it. Like, do you get rid of that cabinet now? Like, are you just like, nope, never mind. We're putting this away. We're not killing anyone else. Like, does it does it gain that thing, that mystique of like, you know, that game over there? It killed someone. Don't play it. It would definitely give that game a legend, especially if his name, his initials are on it. Yeah. I mean, it makes you feel like it's going to be haunted or something. Oh, God. Can you imagine if they stay yeah. like no one's beaten that score yet? I wouldn't touch it. I know that. <laughs> Me neither, man. I'd stay away. So that's my story tonight, man. Took you back to the video game world of the 1980s. Well, let's go from the arcades of the 80s to the 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 Atlantic Ocean in the 1700s, the early 1700s. And uh, Chris, if you could put some sounds back here, like uh, seagulls and stuff, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, when I mention pirates, Chris, what names come to mind? Captain Hook. That's a good one. Uh, Jack Sparrow. That's a, okay. Yes, you're naming <laughs> pop culture ones. Yes. <laughs> uh, real pirates uh, like Captain Morgan. Yes. Yeah, that dude. Uh, Bluebeard, Blackbeard. There was a few beards, weren't there? Redbeard. <laughs> All kinds of beards. Blonde beard. <laughs> one of the most feared beards was Blackbeard. <laughs> most. <laughs> that's the best right there. That's the title of the episode. The most feared yeah. beard. The most feared beard was Blackbeard. Now he's he's arguably one of the most uh, famous of the real pirates. Uh, he was he spent a lot of his pirating living in. He wasn't actually from North Carolina, but he did a lot of his living in North Carolina when he was actually on land. So, uh, and that's and that's one of our <laughs> claims to fame, if you want to claim it. He was not a good person. What was the year for now, this? What, so what are we talking about? Are we talking when North Carolina was a colony, or is it way before that? It was. It's before we were the United States, but, but we were colonies okay. here and now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now the the thing to remember now is today 
the a lot of these pirates, including Blackbeard, are almost looked at as if they're like uh, myths. They're legends. Yeah. You know, they're uh, we look at them almost fondly, almost. But we need to remember a lot of these were not good people, and Blackbeard was not a good person. Right. Uh, now, a lot of his life is kind of mysterious. His real name is a lot of uh, a lot of people don't even agree with what his real name actually was. Uh, a lot of people go with Edward Teach, but he actually changed his name to that. And a lot of experts say it's actually Edward Thatch. There's all kinds of different names you'll find for Blackbeard. And actually, where he uh, when he was actually born and all this, there's all kinds of crazy stuff around this man. But he was really well known for the fact that whenever his he would uh, rob another ship do the pirate thing he would literally almost light his beard on fire Ooh. you know he would have his he would have his candles and stuff in his beard and he would light them so people would be afraid of him what? he was a wild crazy man yes uh, there's all kinds of tales about him one of the things you didn't want to be a woman and be captured by him in his ship you would he had a strict uh, policy of strangling women, if he found any, uh, he, despite the fact that he was married at least 14 times. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, there's all kinds of wild stories about him, but one of the ones that really hit me was this one. Now, he, one of, he was known also for having one of the larger pirate ships, right? Queen Anne's Revenge is a very famous pirate ship. It was so large that he actually had over 300 men as the cr- for the crew. That's a large ship. Wow. That's intense, too, dude. You have to have some sort of uh, controlling fear over people to 300 men at his control. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. That's a very good point. Now, this this these aren't just 300 everyday men. This isn't just like 300 men just who work in an office. <laughs> yeah. These are, these are 300 men who are also pirates. They're constantly drinking. Uh, they're constantly rowdy. They're rambunctious. It takes a lot to control a crowd of that many men that are like this. Yeah. And with all these drunken pirates, it wasn't easy to keep them in line. Now, the story goes that, it, you know, in most ships, you have a captain and you have a first mate, correct? Yeah. Like, you know, the skipper had Gilligan, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, the Gilligan on the Queen Anne's Revenge was a man named... Israel Hands, his last name was Hands. I just want to make sure I point that out because it could get confusing here soon. Uh, he and Blackbeard were one night, they were drinking, which is not unusual. And when out of nowhere, this is this is Israel's account, literally out of nowhere, unexpected, Blackbeard blows out the candle, pulls out his gun, and just fires right into Israel's knee. <laughs> Israel obviously was a lot of things besides in intense pain <laughs> he was scared he was shocked and he could barely could mutter out the words why did you do this <laughs> what he the? said blackbeard looked at him calmly lit the candle back leaned into him and said if i don't shoot one or two crewmen now and then they forget who i am there you go there you go. Do you know, as you were, we were talking about this, and you were explaining the fact that these guys are rowdy, they're getting drunk, it's hard to control them. In my mind, the first thing I think is he walks up to one and just shoots him, kills him, and says, now you guys listen to me because this will, the next one's for you. Right, but he wouldn't kill his men, though. He would shoot them in like like this guy he shot in the knee because it's, he doesn't want to kill his men. That's kind of counterproductive All to right. what he wants to get done. 
But he wants them to know that he's he's a boss, and he could kill him if he just wanted to. Oh, he's a boss, all right. Oh, he's most certainly a boss for sure. <laughs> now, uh, you know, his life was always filled with violence constantly. Uh, if a movie were made of his life today, kids wouldn't even be able to see it because it'd be rated R. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know that I wrote that joke down. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, you know the story of how Blackbeard was killed, correct? Yeah. Now, it's, it's a really famous one that you can read in history books. Uh, but when Blackbeard was finally slain off the coast of North Carolina in 1718, it took five gunshots and well over 20 stab wounds to take him down. It wasn't just one person. It was literally like one on 50, it seemed like. Because the, 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 the people that went after him had two ships of about 60 people. So they were they were well after him by the here. They wanted him done. He would... He at one point had uh, caused such a ruckus <laughs> that, you know, despite the fact that just before this, uh, you know, a lot of pirates back then were privatized, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Uh, and he was one of them and actually accepted it, but he just kept on being a pirate anyway. <laughs> so he's doing, he's like doing his job. He's actually got a job, but he's also stealing. Yeah. Well, the other famous story is he, he had plenty of money, and but he would walk into a lot of shops and stuff. And he wouldn't do us all the time. Every once in a while he would pay. But a lot of times he would just, just take something in front of the shopkeeper and dare them to say anything as he walked out the door with it. Damn. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to let him have it. <laughs> this dude was like the ultimate bully. Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Yeah, but the one of the greatest legends about pirates, though, is that after he was killed, he was also beheaded and he threw his body overboard. Yeah. But the story goes that his body swam around that ship three times before it actually sank to the bottom. Oh, I'd never heard that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a well-known tale around here. Uh, but Blackbeard the Pirate, yeah, he uh, he would just randomly shoot his even his friends in the kneecap. <laughs> that's awesome. So, Chris, if we ever get together, uh, you might want to wear some knee pads. <laughs> You're going to teach me who's boss, keep me in line? Yeah. I'm going to ever teach you who's boss. That's amazing, dude. I'd never known that, though. That was a cool story. Yeah, that's also yeah, he's, uh, an odd way to uh, get people to follow you. I like to I like to treat my employees better than that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I usually give them gift cards when they do a good job. Um, <laughs> I'll give them an extra day off. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, you want the day off? Take the day off. It's yours. Don't worry about it. You know that might be a good way to run your business, and I understand. But maybe once in a while, you just need to like shoot Anthony in the kneecap or something. <laughs> once in a while, pop a cap in their ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You gotta let them know who's boss. <laughs> that's amazing, man. I love it. That was a good one. So that's been uh, that's odd, uh, Chris. Yes. Tell the kids, tell the uh, uh, the listeners, the the awesome people who uh, let us into their ears for once a week, or whenever we actually put these up. We're very bad about that. <laughs> hey, uh, we've been on time actually for like three or four weeks now. Well, that's true. I'm going to pat us on the back. Yeah. We're doing good. That's good for us. <laughs> yeah. Tell them where, tell them where else they can find you, uh, on uh, on if they want to look you up to hear more about comic books and stuff. I think right. Find me on social medias of all places. Yeah, you can find me on. Uh, I have another podcast, Back Issues Comic Book Podcast. If you're into that kind of thing, check us out on our network, bicbp-radio.com. You'll find that show, this show, as well as a number of other entertaining shows. Check them out. Head over to iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe, follow, uh, rate, comment. Let us know how we're doing. Um, 
We also have a Facebook page for History Crease. Make sure you follow us. Get the newest episodes when they come up. Updates to last uh, older episodes and maybe teases to upcoming episodes. That's History Creeps on Facebook. We're also on Instagram, and I'm so behind on posting on it, but I'll be updating it here pretty soon. So follow us if you're still doing the Instagram thing. Uh, at History Creeps, and I have one more thing to say to that, Johnny, and it's uh, before I throw it over to you, take that curse. All right, go ahead. No, we're not over yet. What if it just stopped right here? <laughs> you just ruined everything for us. All of a sudden, everything deletes. Yeah. It's just like everything's messed up. You know what happened that one time? I got cocky with the curse. So That's amazing. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> Apparently, you didn't. All right, well, hurry up and take us out before it deletes. You can also find my other podcast, which was mentioned before, Retro Blessed, on this very same network. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. There's another podcast, if you like pro wrestling, that's called The Dusty Finish. Yeah! And uh, we should have some new episodes coming out for that. I mean, I don't know why I said we. It's not like I'm involved with it in any way. Well, you are but, part of our network, so we are a big family yeah. at the network. There we go. That works, yeah. Kayfabe hashtag. <laughs> uh, so, uh, go, uh, <laughs> go give that uh, show a try if you like just two... Uh, experts just riffing, and I do mean riffing. It's purely comedy and pro wrestling added together. If you like those two things, give it a try. Uh, you can find me on social media, Instagram at Johnnyism28. Also, look for my show Retro Blist on Instagram at Retro Blist and on Facebook at Retro Blist. Uh, for Chris Chavez, I'm Johnny Townsend. Thanks for listening to us. And as always, I like to tell you to stay. Odd.